understand the big picture performance of EMS agencies across the United States as outlined in the 2022 ESO EMS Index. It's based on data from more than 2,000 agencies and departments across the country and represents 9.9 million EMS responses between January 1st, 2021 to December 31st, 2021. Now in its fifth year, the 2022 ESO EMS Index not only examines the performance, but makes comparisons to the previous year's data. Therefore, the best practices are informed by several years of data, as well as their practical, first-hand experience of seasoned medical professionals. Download the index today by visiting ESO.com. Welcome to Real Life Rescues, a podcast that's going to go behind the scenes and take an in-depth look into the operational and personal accounts of EMS first responders from Israel's largest fully volunteer EMS provider, United Atzala. Many volunteers available in Beit Shemesh across from the Noach Ayala trails. And units available in Tveria near the Kinara for an 11-year-old boy pulled into the water, possibly drowning. Angel 7 is in the water with the boat. Backup units needed at the Hi, welcome to another episode. I'm Raphael. And I'm Dovi. And today we have a very special guest with us uh, here in Moldova, who's given us a little bit of her time. Uh, one of our people on the ground has pretty much been running, I'd say, most of the operation. Uh, Lenora well, Tia. She, she, she's become already a, a resident of Moldova and, <laughs> and, and, and been uh, running the operation here for the past, uh, I don't know, what is it, five weeks? And, and kind of running the country, we like to think. She's going to be, I think we're electing her for the new uh, Minister of Interior. Well, that's the reason she's here, Raphael, (laughs) is because we're going to be talking on this podcast. Once again, we're still um, a war on Ukraine episodes here and and to see um, how how doing the the impossible or or understanding that no is not an option when the mission needs to get done. And uh, Lenore here, Lenore Tias, was very instrumental, has been ongoingly instrumental in, in our operation uh, on the ground in, in Moldova um, on many different fronts. And uh, we'll talk about a few of those angles today. Yeah. And uh, as as one person put it in the press recently, uh, Lenore is Wonder Woman who would put Gal Gadot to shame. So <laughs> I'm not going to go down that road. <laughs> so welcome. Hi. Hi. How now, are you? Now that we've given you that wonderful introduction, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, my name is Lenore Tias. I'm from Jerusalem, single mom of two daughters, and for over five weeks in uh, Kishinev, Moldova, and Ukraine. Okay. Uh, and what is, um, wh- wh- what have you, I mean, you've been managing the whole team, pretty much. Uh, operations, logistics, uh, opening the skies. You know, Rafael, um, what do we always say? Let's take it back a notch. <laughs> Let's take it back a notch and, and give a little context to... to so uh, w- what we're talking about with, with Lenore here, and, and like we spoke about in the two previous episodes, um, we were talking about the different uh, missions um, that we were accomplishing on the ground in Moldova, in Ukraine, and in other countries surrounded. So just to put things into context, Lenore left Israel um, as part of the GO team. Um, five, day, day one, yeah. Day one, about five weeks ago. And, and uh, her mission... Uh, she didn't even know her mission at the beginning. Her mission was to go out there, get boots on ground, and see what's going on. And and maybe just to make it easier for you, Lenore, um, is, is to tell a little bit of the story um, from your angle. Um, it, it doesn't have to be like a uh, a full syllabus of everything that was done, but really give us the 
the, the, the general idea of what happened from the moment you were dispatched from Israel to head out to Moldova um, and, and, and hit the ground there, and, and what rolled out from there on until the point we're standing at right now? Okay, so I would say that I believe that everything is possible. The impossible just take longer. And since the moment that we arrived to Kishinev, Moldova, I knew that we are at the correct 100% place that we should be because they are not members of the EU. You already speak about it. And nobody else is going to be on the ground. It's only United Atsala that's going to assist thousands of thousands of refugees that are arriving from Ukraine. And also the government of Moldova that doesn't know how to handle emergency situations. She don't have a military, the cities don't have enough places for refugees, they don't know how to handle these situations, and they don't have enough money to handle it, or knowledge. So we were there just giving them all the knowledge and uh, assistance that we could give them. And me, myself, I'm a, an emergency uh, situations management here in Israel, and also my IDF reserve service. So... I was helping them with the knowledge of what's going to be, what will be the next step and the third step of this crisis. So I'll, I'll, I'll take us back to the first call that I got from you, Lenor. Um, by the way, we got a full disclose here that uh, Lenor was co-leading co this mission with uh, David Crispel um, and uh, partners in life as well. Um, and, and amazing I remember, partner. <laughs> <laughs> definitely amazing. He, by the way, happens to be my deputy. <laughs> um, I, I, we, we send the finest out there. Yeah, it's a great uh, shiduch, United Asala. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but that, that, that maybe we'll put on a different episode yeah. of matchmaking, matchmaking in, uh, in uniform. Um, we'll, we'll take that to another time. But I remember the, the call that you gave me. Um, you left on Saturday night from Israel with a team of 12. And uh, you made it into Kishinev about oh, what was it, 15 hours later, um, and and the call that you told told me on the phone was basically on the Zoom call that we had was basically bring in the cavalry, bring in whatever we can put together, and let's get the first plane going because there is a lot to do. So tell us a little bit about what this a lot consisted of from your point of view, and we'll then talk about the different challenges we had along the way. So we were like 12 members from Israel and three more from Miami. We brought with us, I don't know, approximately 50 bags of medical equipment and humanitarian aid. And I realized that within three days, we're going to be empty. We're going to be without nothing in three days. So I really just ask you, send whatever you can, whatever is possible, and I will open the sky for us with all the costume matters and the logistic matters. Well, you didn't know that back then yet. And we didn't know. We <laughs> didn't know. It, it was just a hunch because I speak with you like the moment we were on our way. But when I realized that, yes, we were right to understand that this crisis is huge, huge. I never saw a crisis in this like... Magnitude. Yeah. What does it feel like in your eyes? I mean, I was talking about my impressions, uh, what I felt when I saw it. Rafael was mentioning what he felt. What did you feel as, as a first responder, as a medic, as a mom? How did you, from your angle, look, look at this? And, and what, what did you feel? 
Wow, the first moment I've got there, I saw a mother with a Shmulik, eight years old son that was locked on his mother's legs, and she had another two years old baby in her arms, and she was so tired, and I tried to help her to unlock her son, Shmulik, and I was giving him a doll that my daughter bring me. She was telling me, Mommy, take some toys and dolls and deliver it to the kids. And this was the first aid I was given to a mother. She haven't slept for two days with a kid's luck on her leg and a baby, two years old baby, heavy. <laughs> she was heavy in her arms. And when I managed, like, succeed to take the son from her, she go to sleep. And this is the moment when I saw the, this mother sleeping in a chair in the corner I start to cry as a mother, as a woman. You mean for the first time? Yeah, for the first time as of a first responder. Of many others to follow. But then as an as a emergency management, I realized that I need to lock down my feelings. It's very hard to do so. I'm not a robotic uh, person. I'm, I'm full of heart and passion and, and kindness and humanity. But I was... trying to work on myself with the psychotrauma unit they, that were part of the GO team, how can I lock my feelings so I can handle this situation professionally and not emotionally? That was actually one of the more touching pictures that I think we came out from the first day was with you giving Shmulek the doll, uh, thus allowing his mother to, to take a rest. And then I think a lot of the team realized that- That was the one um, under the flag, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think the, the whole team realized just how important what we were going to be doing was. And we, we sort of switched mindsets, I think, from that point. And then also seeing what was going on at the border the first time, first day that we were there, from we're, we're going to need to provide a lot of medical assistance to being we're going to need to provide a lot more humanitarian assistance. Um, and, and it was those few days that, you guys, that we all realized that this was uh, a little bit of our mission was going to be changing. Well, we still did provide medical care for people who needed it, but it was far more of a humanitarian assistance uh, mission and sort of turned into and sort of still going on. And, and being a humanitarian mission, we understood that we're going to need humanitarian support. And when we were on, the, on our Zoom call, I remember you sitting in the EOC at, in, in Kishinau at our HQ that, that you put together over there um, and was, okay, we're going to need a lot of equipment. We're going to need food. We're going to need medical supplies. We're going to need, not even necessarily only for trauma and things like that, but for your day-to-day -day treatments. We're going to need baby formula for the babies that are coming in and don't have food. We're going to need so many different things. And we understood we're going to need a plane. This is not something, this is not something we can stick in 50 bags. And, and it was snow. We needed blankets. We needed gloves, yeah, yeah, yeah. hats. We needed to it help. It was freezing. Yeah. But thankfully, it warmed up a little bit since then. Yes. <laughs> Yes, well, but it warmed up literally. Mm -hmm. Yes, <laughs> also because of us, but also literally. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's not snowing here anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 I remember. Okay, so say we're going to get this plane going. So uh, obviously, um, uh, we were in immediate coordination, and we were talking like this plane. Okay, we'll we'll organize a plane, but let's not have it go back empty. So we want to bring a plane full of equipment, a cargo plane. But going back, we want to fill it up with refugees already instead of just having them sit down. Shmulek is a great kid. But we want to get him to move forward and get to Israel, to, 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 to a place where he can call home, at least for the near future. Right. A place and, where he can be safe. 
and and have a bed to sleep in and uh, basic needs and start maybe going back to school. And education, and, yeah. exactly, education. So so when we started working on the plane, obviously we were working on lists and lists and lists of equipment, and that's when we understood, okay, this is going to be a huge challenge to get in this equipment as far as customs and whatnot. And at this point, the airspace in Moldova was still closed. Correct. Meaning we were flying into Yash in Romania, which is about a five-hour, six-hour drive with the... Is that how uh, we pronounce it? I was, I was called Yashi. Yash, Yashi. Yashi, yeah. Well, well, I guess you have to be Romanian to pronounce it right. <laughs> yeah. It's Something. spelled Yassi. Yassi. Yeah. With a C and an A, I don't know, and all kinds of other. If anyone's looking it up, there are two main airports in, in Romania. It's not Bucharest. It's the other one. <laughs> yeah, the little one. The little the one. one that can't land big planes. Exactly. Um, and, and, and we understood that if we want to get real stuff in there, we're, this will not be possible through Romania. We're going to have to get our planes landing Inside Kishinev. Yeah. Exactly. And it also just wasn't feasible because we had the extra border crossing to go through and the travel time and put all the refugees to that again. And uh, you did more of those than I did. So uh, maybe you want to talk about that. Like what it was like trying to get the refugees through the Romanian border onto the plane to get back to Israel. For us, it was 24 hours round trip because to get them out, to bring everyone from the different refugee shelters in Moldova. And to go out from Moldova, it means that you need to cross the border, the Laoshen border, which take four till eight hours traffic. But I open as a green path for all the buses of United Atsala. And then you need to cross the Romanian side of the border, which is almost three hours. But I open over there also a green path for us. And then you have like another one and a half hour to the Yashi airport. All right. When you say green pass, you meant you opened an additional border crossing. Exactly. <laughs> your connection. So basically it was, if we want to be a little bit really sarcastic, is they had enough of seeing Lenore and they're like, oh no, her again. And, and let's get them through as fast as, fast as possible. But uh, yeah, truth is I was there. I saw it. Lenore was uh, performing magic at the borders. And, and it really was uh, amazing to see Lenore. I'm, I connected with the... POC on the ground on the different borders, but I got help from different ambassadors like the Maltavian ambassador in Romanian or Italian ambassador in Yashi or the Israeli ambassador, of course, in uh, Moldova. And or the Moldavian or the ambassador Mal to Israel. Or the Moldavian we were, ambassador we were in Israel. Uh, constantly coordinating with so many uh, consuls and ambassadors throughout the region in order to, to facilitate the, this operation. And the mayor of Kishinev and and the CEO of the airport of Kishinev. And, and you need to know how to speak with everyone, what is their strategy or goals or targets. So you will give them like the, the power to feel that they help with their goals and not my goals. So I, I can give one great it's story. Either I Lenore. need to speak about the economy that I'm going to assist the Moldovian economy, or I'm going to assist the connections between Romania to Italy. So it's very, it's yeah, very so different angles. I, I think yeah. that is also a, like we mentioned in the past uh, episodes: is we were all identified by our orange coats and our yeah. orange vests. The mission was called Orange Wings. And is called. Oh, I was going to say, why was he? <laughs> and well, I was going to say, why was? Yeah, we're no, still we're doing still, it. <laughs> we're still in the midst and we still have more planes going. And I don't know. I like to think about it like we're, we're going to end this eventually, this catastrophe. But but what, anyway, 
Um, uh, I, I think that one of the times, Lenore, that, that really worked your magic was um, when we were trying to get the Moldavian airline, Air Moldova, to give us a plane to bring refugees because of a cancellation of another plane. And, and Lenore, you were talking to the vice president of the company on the phone. And, and Which I received his number, his, his private number from the ambassador of Moldova in Israel. In Israel, exactly. <laughs> This is really unbelievable. And, and, while, and, and as soon as he got off the phone, he said, I'll think about it. I told you, Lenore, come with me a second. And I grabbed my phone and I said, we're shooting a video now, Lenore. We're shooting a video and explain what we're what video we're shooting here and this was the EOC of ours in in, in Kishinev where there was the dispatch room that was coordinating the refugees flights back registration and the operations management and Lenore was explaining um what what what's being done there this is where people are registering for their flights and and we sent that video of you explaining this to the vice president of that company and why don't you why don't you tell you What happened when we sent him that video, when we were trying to get his yes to the airplane? He told me that, oh, I already saw you in the local news of Moldova. With the orange I, ones. With the orange <laughs> ones, and you are doing a magnificent work. Let me try to help you. Just give me a few seconds to find a plane for you. And then he, he got a plane, but he didn't get the approval to open the sky for us because the sky is closed. And... This is where I was need to speak with the Moldovian government and the CIA of Moldova why they should open the sky for us. Now mind you, at this time when this is happening, there are four buses right outside our EOC with 160 refugees that are expecting to leave in about an hour's time to the airport in Romania, which is six to seven hour drive out there. Plus all the border crossings. And Plus the border crossings, else. blah, 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 and everything. And the flight is um, canceled. And the flight is canceled, and they don't know it yet. And Nobody knows it. Even the staff <laughs> didn't know it. Except us in the room. Except, yeah. So go ahead, tell us what happened. Even the staff. So I knew that we need to work only with Air Moldova because this is the only way that we will manage to open the skies because then I will tell them that I'm opening the economy back for them after the COVID, after the, they, they didn't work. It's a small company. It's a small airport. I will be the one that will open the sky for you and give you the, the money that, that you desperately need in your country. If I did it with... a foreign company, I couldn't, I, they wouldn't have opened the sky for us. Right. And any foreign airline, they obviously wouldn't do it because they would want everything coming to them, which makes sense. It serves their interest, like what you were saying before. Yeah. Well, you're just being humble. You worked magic <laughs> because I think it was 10 minutes later, 10 minutes later, we get the call. What did he tell you? I'm with you. We're good you to go. You have a flight. We're good to go. Come to the airport of Moldova. Now, to, to put that in perspective, the airport of Moldova had been shut down since the beginning of the war, <laughs> if not before. I, I don't know. This is like a week, a week. This is a week and a week. A week, a week and a half. A week and a half. Week and a half. The, um, Honestly, I was afraid. I was afraid. It, it didn't close just without a reason. It's, right. Uh, Moldova is very close to Ukraine and, and surrounded by Ukraine in, in a C-shape, kind of like on three sides. Um, so and you it have was, Russians, MiGs. circling around Ukraine and they could come inside to the area of Moldova to make like a U-turn or something like that. Also, so, let's face it, who in Moldova was going to stop them? 
So no, no one, <laughs> no one. Really. They don't have nothing. So the the there was there was a very good reason for closing Moldovan airspace and uh, Lenore. You literally opened the entire country's airspace um, in a matter of minutes. Yes, but it was, was their condition that it's going to be only for United Atsala, and therefore another organizations wish to lend it directly to Kishinev, but they couldn't do so. They asked for our help and we couldn't help them. Right. Unfortunately, we couldn't help them. Yeah. Eventually and, 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 that did happen. And, 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 we did well, miracles. Well, well, let's talk the Tachlis, as we say. As, as 10 minutes later, he says, yes, okay, we're good to go. And we say, okay. Um, three hours from now, he says, uh, we're like, um, okay. So we have two issues. Number one is how do we get you a list of names? And number two is we can't pay it for the plane because it's three in the morning in New York where we need to have the money transferred from. So why are you laughing? Oh, really? Go ahead and tell us how you worked your charm. I forgot about it. <laughs> and we also had the 160 people sitting there on the bus. We can, we can, we can really sit back <laughs> and, and laugh it. now, but that those were really stressful moments. Yes, It is. And I think it's also like it, it was between... Saturday, Saturday to Sunday. So at Sunday we don't have banks in United States, so we need to wait until Monday that we to will make the pay bank him. transfer for the flight. <laughs> so this was divine intervention, okay? Yes, this was divine it, it, intervention, I and and I he, he tells Lenore, "Listen, no problem. Don't worry about the payments. I trust you guys are legit. I saw you orange coats on TV here, so you guys are real. Because yes. once you're on TV." Once you're, you're on TV, it's got to be true, <laughs> and 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 that was number one and number two. In Moldova, they don't have fake news. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right. They're not that progressive. <laughs> okay, right, let's not go down that road. <laughs> but 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 uh, on a serious note, is uh, I I've been in many operations around the world and have traveled in many places. I've never had a company tell us, um, okay, just bring your people to the airport. And Lenore Dovi, you guys be there at the desks with me. I'll come to the airport. The VP says, I'll come to the airport. And whoever you tell me, we'll just book on the spot and give them the ticket and a boarding pass. Right. And, and, and we ended up printing out the tickets by ourselves in our EOC. It was like, here's a ticket. Here's a ticket. Here's a ticket. Exactly. <laughs> this is exactly. unbelievable. But I guess, you know what? I, I guess when, when, when there are so many powers coming together to do good, it has to work out. It to yeah, work out. it simply has to work out. And the big lesson is that kind of anything is possible. Like we we open Leonor opened an airspace of, of an entire country and for for humanitarian flights of United Hatzala. And then and then not only that, but also for the cargo flights. And the cargo flights started happening as well. We started bringing flights back in, carrying 16, 20 tons of of humanitarian aid, medical equipment, which. We received requests from the government of Moldova to provide for them, uh, because but this is was the this is was the like the the way for me to approve it because I realized that many organizations sent cargo planes and trucks to the Poland border and the Moldovan Romanian Moldovan border and they were stuck there. No one could enter the the goods that they were sending uh, into Moldova or inside Ukraine. And then I realized that I need to work on that before the the cargo will arrived, and we had a solution. Right now we have all the approvals. I'm also accustomed suspicious. <laughs> I've got this title yeah, in she, Moldova. She's black. She's black. Uh, <laughs> black, black, black stamp. Blacklisted in, in black stamp in, in the custom Moldova. But 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 Moldova do love you because you were actually the one who flagged out and said, "Wait a second." 
Not all the support needs to go to Ukraine. There are thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of, of uh, refugees coming into Moldova. And this is a country that 10%, it grew by 10 or 15% of its population within two weeks. And, and they, it's a poor country, like you said, yourself, Lenore, they, they're on the verge, of, they're on the ver constant verge of bankruptcy or in a state of bankruptcy. And they can't, support all of these refugees coming in. So we turned that into our mission over there. And we need to know which kind of goods they don't have in their country that we could buy from them, but we need to bring it in. So I had approvals from the different ministries, um, like the health ministry or the welfare minister, that this is what I'm going to bring. Please give me the approval ahead. And they collaborate with us, and then we could manage all the cargo plans that we brought to Moldova, and everything went to the different shelters, Jews and not Jews. All right, kind of everybody was. All the refugees were receiving aid from all these things because you got the agreement, and we were the first organization to be able to bring a cargo plane into Moldova, in, into anywhere in that region, really. Um, and that was also kind of miraculous. And then a couple of weeks later, uh, like you promised, you said you're going to help the Moldovan economy. Uh, it turned out that the Moldovan airspace, from what I understand, is now open. Um, yeah. so we, once we sent a couple planes in and out, they realized, hey, you know, they're, they're not, not being shot out. They're of not the being sky. shot out of the sky. Things are sort of maybe so okay far. to pull off, and they started opening the rest of the country up to the airspace. So, because of the work that you did, that, that Operations Orange Wings pulled off, uh, we actually did significantly help the economy, like you promised. We are. We did. So maybe also, Lenore, give us. Uh, um, a few words from your perspective on the different challenges um, that you had over this, these past five weeks um, in Moldova, um, be it humanitarian, be it personal, be it, I mean, this, this is something like we've never experienced. I mean, what we do here usually every day back in Israel is, is really, you know, run out on a call and come back 20 minutes later and we're back to our daily life. Um, here, uh, clearly our, our, I don't know what the definition for this. Uh, Rafael probably make fun of. He always makes fun of my terms that I use. I don't know. All the cards were shuffled. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, we, this is this is a whole different uh, ball game. Ball game for us. We've never is, ever done anything is. like this on scale. And it is even to to take care of of all the different volunteers that are coming back and from forth from Israel and the local volunteers that we recruit. It's not only the, the custom and Air Moldova and borders and logistic. It's also the people on the ground and, of course, the refugees. It's very stressful. And to be awake 21 hours a day, going to sleep three hours in between driving back and forth from the border. Falling asleep we on Zoom doing. calls. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that I got my like my power back when I, when I feel like okay it's it's I'm I'm going to 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 I don't know to fall down I'm going to I'm I need to 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 rebuild my power I just went to the refugees find the little kid or a single mom right now she's a single mom and give her an assistant it could be a psychotrauma a conversation or humanitarian aid, something very simple, and just to see the smile 
on their face, which I know a moment before I met them, she wasn't smiling at all. She was freezing. And now she's smiling back as a normal kid should. All they need is to smile. And it gave me back the strength and the energy I needed to go again like a fighter and to find the solutions and to know the responsibility that we are going to save thousands of lives and souls. Yeah. Very important. And, the, uh, and like you said, I think this is a topic we haven't really touched upon, is, is how much we've gained uh, as people in terms of being re-energized in the moment of the day, but also as, as just uh, as people seeing the humanity uh, that was coming from all over the place, but also being re-energized by the people we were helping. As much as we're giving to them, they give back they to give us. They give back to us. Yeah, and, and, and of course, while well, we're talking five weeks into the incident here, into this crazy war and, and humanitarian catastrophe, um, you, you yourself, we forced you to go back for a weekend and for a, for a couple of days. Um, tell us about a little bit about how, what, what's that feeling of that dissonance of, of leaving uh, Moldova and 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 coming back to Israel, where life is going on, and and going back to your to your kids, and 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 then trying to adapt, and and then turn around and go back to there. Tell us a little bit about from a personal perspective. I think I arrived on a Thursday night. It was two a.m., and I wake up at six thirty, just preparing the sandwiches for them for school. It was Friday, and I give them a hug and took them to school. And then I come back and the TV was showing the morning, uh, I don't know what. And I was saying, wow, they don't have proportion. I came from chaos and now they're speaking about how to prepare a cake for, <laughs> for Shabbat. <laughs> and that is going- exactly the dissonance I'm talking about. I, I mean, it's hard, hard to explain. To it's people. very hard to explain. It's very hard to come back to normal life. And you could not like, disconnected yourself from what's going on the ground because even when I was here in Israel on Friday and, and Saturday I was still handling with operations there on the ground so I was just laughing about what we are showing in our TV and what really goes on and I, I think you know I think it also is what draws you back afterwards it's like at a certain point you you it's really I mean for me personally it was to see this this um, contrast of coming from disaster and, 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 and refugees and chaos, like you're describing, coming back to here where life goes on. And, and to a certain extent, you end up wanting to get sucked back to there. You want to end up going back because you feel it's like not fair mm-hmm. at a certain point. Yes. And, and you end up needing to be pulled back. You need a superior uh, a manager to say, okay, that's it. Exactly. Back to life. Exactly. And it's hard. It's hard to make that switch. Uh, I mean, even from if we if we take it to a, a, a I guess less of a of a drastic extreme, even going from a shift from an ambulance shift, you're you're going and you're dealing with trauma. You're dealing with severe cases, illnesses, injuries. Uh, you know, God forbid, shootings or anything like that. And then going back to real life after your shift is over and saying, okay, you know, I'm 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 back to my family. I'm back to my regular routine for the next however long it is until your next shift, um, it's something that's also, it's very, very challenging. That's one of the things we, we deal with often in, in our psychotrauma unit is how to make that shift going back and forth without creating a situation where we're 
developing one sense of reality and one sense of, uh, I guess, dissonance we were talking about before. That's exactly what we are doing. We have the psychotrauma circles that all of the volunteers are coming together and speak and ventilize about what they were processing and saw and hear and feel in there. And we also have the private conversations that are very, very important, even for me. I haven't done it yet because I'm still on the ground, but I'm going to do it, several private conversations, just to come back to normal, as you say. And sort of, uh, I guess, de, uh, sort of decompress, really, of, of everything that, uh, that we've gone through here. Uh, and we're going to have to do that when, when we're finally finishing this operation and sort of be able to, to reconnect to what's going on. Uh, but Lenora, we've been here for a very long time, for five weeks. Um, is there a story that stands out in your mind that sort of you felt uh, highlights, um, I guess, the work we've done on the trip so far? First of all, I feel and I see and I hear the, the difference of the stories because the, the first one, the first refugees who escaped from Ukraine to Moldova, they were just telling us about how long it took them in the snow, freezing to death, 8 to 12 hours standing on the lines, um, disconnecting from the husband that need to left behind, the... the the hug that they that he give to the kid and send them away to a different country and now they cannot speak with him it is heartbreaking and now the stories are different it's people that stay in the shelters for one and a half two weeks without electricity without food freezing over there and then it took them few days to cross to moldova after they saw bodies they saw blood i met a father who just arrived with me in our last rescue flight that he saw his wife murdered. Oy. And he have a four years old son and two and a half years old daughter, baby. And now he's a single father who just came to Israel trying to build his life. Rebuild his family. And his life. this is the stories right now. It's not only the the miles of miles that they went in the snow with only one suitcase. Now it's one suitcase and they lost someone. Terrible, yeah. terrible stories out there. And and, and now as, as we're starting to wrap up here, Rafael, you'll wrap up as usual, but um, uh, we're also now, we just experienced uh, two terror attacks in Israel of uh, stabbing and shooting. And, and, and I, I'm guessing we won't have a dull moment for our future uh, episodes as as, uh, as as the atrocities in Ukraine uh, continue happening and unfortunate terror attacks in Israel as well, which I'll, I'm sure we'll be able to talk about on future episodes. So Rafal, take it away and wrap us up. Um, Lenore, thank you so much for coming and joining us uh, here and sharing with your ex uh, experiences. Um, thank in, you. And everything that you've done to help uh, this, our mission and Operation Orange Wing succeed and become what it has uh, and help as many people as we have. Um, and and opening the skies uh, of a whole country. That's something that's unique. That uh, That's uh, a story that will go with you for years. Yeah, it will go with all of us <laughs> for years. But um, as the one who, who spearheaded the whole project. Um, so thank you so much for, for sharing with us and for listeners about that. Uh, unfortunately, it's all the time we have. There are so, so, so many stories to get through. And uh, one day we may get there, but that's not unfortunately going to be today. Um, thank you so much for listening. And we hope you'll come back and listen to the next episode. Oops. Thanks, guys, for listening. Thank you very much. See you next time.